All right, so uh, physics. Physics is cool. Physics is cool. God created the world with such wonder and refinement that we have physics. And we talk about physics in terms of laws, right? Laws, the law of gravity, Newton's laws of motion. They're laws because they always work, because you can depend upon them. Every time you sit down, stand up, or walk, you are depending on the laws of physics to work as they always work. If they didn't, you would fly away, right? Or you would be crushed down to the ground, or you would bounce off the ground, or who knows? If physics was like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, hope it works for you. Uh-oh, physics isn't working. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing, right? Physics always works because God is very smart. He's perfect. And the laws of physics he made to be constant and dependable, and you learn to trust them. When you're a baby learning to walk, you probably struggle a little bit with the laws of physics, right? It's like, how does this work? I go like that, and then I'm kind of, you've seen babies. Some of you I've seen are not the best walkers. No, most of you walk really good. Some of the best walkers I've seen, this Axe Church. Um, <laughs> really, our walking game is strong to very strong here. Um, but you come to trust them. You come to trust the laws of physics. You, you probably don't think about the acceleration of gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared, each time you get out of bed and walk to the bathroom. But you're using it. You're using it. You're trusting it. You trust it without thinking. Think about what the world would be like if you didn't trust the laws of physics. If you didn't trust the laws of physics, every time you got out of the bed, you'd be like, okay, how heavy am I today? Well, I mean, <laughs> we do that, right? Totally different thing. But like, how is, how is it all going to work today? Am I going to be jumping? Like, is it going to be like the guys on the moon? Or am I going to be, you know, you would know, right? Every time you sat down in the chair, you'd have to test it for like five minutes to make sure it was kind of going to hold you. Then you gently ease yourself in. I do that because I believe in the laws of physics. And this object in motion tends to stay in motion and has done so on some of those plastic outdoor chairs from time to time. And I'm glad there's no video of that because it's happened more than once. All right. This is going to turn into a whole thing if I go that direction. Anyway, we, we, we depend on physics. We depend on it, right? We trust them. It's silly to not depend on the laws of physics because they've been proven over and over and over. But... The creator of those laws doesn't get the same level of trust from us. God is perfect and dependable and true every time, all the time. He does what he says every time. He, he gives us what he promises every time. But many of us don't tend to trust God like we trust the laws of physics. Many of us don't tend to trust his promises. We've been studying through the book of Romans, for those of you who have been around for a while. And we are in chapter five now, and we're highlighting a section. We kind of went through a section in what we call the gospel argument that was on, really focused on faith. And this next section really focuses on hope. Hope. The outline uh, of biblical usage defines the word, the, the Greek word used for hope there as expectation of good, hope. In the Christian sense, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. What is hope? What is hope for the believer, for the Christ follower? Joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. As confident as I am that as I step forward, my foot's going to land. As confident as I am 
that the, an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted on by another force. As confident as I am in that, that's the kind of hope. I have an expectation of eternal salvation. Hope of the resurrection. Hope of peace and joy and love and pleasure and the affection of Christ for eternity. That's what hope is. So kind of important. Kind of an important thing, right? Faith, hope, love. These three, the greatest of these is love. Hope's pretty important. Hope's pretty important. So we need to kind of walk through it. Because hope is a thing that promises satisfaction. Real, eternal satisfaction. The satisfaction that nothing, nothing in this broken time, in this sinful world, brings the kind of satisfaction that we're hoping for. There's only one thing that brings it. That's Jesus Christ, eternally. Hope is the expectation of the thing that you desire in the inmost part of you. It's the expectation of real relationship with God, real relationship with our Father in heaven. C.S. Lewis says this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. That thing inside you that nothing in this world satisfies, that's what your hope is about. That that, in fact, will be satisfied in Christ for eternity. Hope is the expectation that drives our love. It drives our service and it drives our joy. If you find yourself not feeling a lot of love, not wanting to act in service, not having a lot of joy, not willing to be pleased, you got a hope problem. You got a hope problem. Because if you have hope, it's going to drive those things. Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. He's the God of hope. You have the Holy Spirit that you might abound in hope with all joy and peace. In order to abound in hope, you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to live in hope. But, this is important. If we sow to the flesh, instead of to the Spirit, we are blinded to hope. We start becoming blind to hope. And we chase the things that are worthless eternally. That's what starts to happen. You start to get out of the spirit and into the flesh, worrying about the things of the flesh. You start getting blinded to the hope that is eternal. And you start chasing what is worthless, what has no eternal value at all, that moth and rust destroy, that thieves break in and steal. We sometimes trade hope cheaply. We sometimes trade real hope of eternal joys, which we cannot even comprehend for pleasures that don't satisfy us at all. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You have not even thought about it yet. You can't comprehend it. That's why we make weird paintings of 
fat babies with harps. Like, I don't even know who's like, yeah, that looks, that looks like fun. I want to be a fat baby with a harp and a diaper. What's a diaper for? Like, are we changing each other's diaper? I don't know what they're doing. People in the middle, medieval times were odd, okay? You have not comprehended it. It's not that. It's not that. It's joy forevermore. It's pleasure and the affection of Christ. You have not comprehended it. I have not comprehended it. We can't. These brains in this fallen world would go, can't happen. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We've been promised that. But instead of that, we take the promise of that which shines with eternal glory and we trade it for the rusty steel and broken glass of this world which we convince ourselves is what we really want or need. It's, it's that car that you really want or need. It's that boyfriend or that girlfriend that you really want or need. And if you have to compromise a little bit to get there, if you got to have your focus off, your priorities off, or step into sin to have what you want, well, that, whole, that other thing, that's so far away. You don't get it. You don't get it. I don't get it when we live in sin like that. We chase our comforts at the expense of our eternal inheritance. What is wrong with us? Well, a lot. <laughs> That's why we have Jesus. Whenever we do that, we lose sight of our hope. If you're living in hope, you're joyful. I didn't say happy. I don't care if you're happy. I hope you are. hope you're happy and you're like, mm -hmm, but I don't care about that. I care about the joy that's so deep inside you that nothing can move you. The hope that drives you. When we lose sight of hope, we lose sight of Jesus. All right, let's look at the Word of God in Romans. We're in chapter 5. Ah, I'm so old. Oh, you look great. I actually can't see you. I can only see this when I do that. I'm sure you look great. Much better since I put these on. Get it? You're blurry now? Okay. I, you didn't like that one. That's all right. Let's cut that one out of the... All right. All right. We read the first two verses, which were, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into his grace, which we stand, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, let's get into verse 3. We're going to go 3 through 5 today. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That passage is fire. I'm going to tell you why. We're going to go through it here. Think about this. We glory in tribulations. What? Strong's... Uh, dictionary defines the Greek word for tribulations that's used here as pressure, literally or figuratively, affliction, anguish, burden, to be burdened, persecution, tribulation, trouble. Who glories in affliction and anguish and burden and persecution? Who glories in tribulations? We do. Christ followers do. Welcome to Acts Church, where we glory in tribulations. You know? Other places are like, everything's going to be great. And we're like, we glory in tribulations. Who wants to be afflicted? Anyone? That's, 
That's what we do. You think that Christianity is a way to physical comfort and earthly pleasure? Somebody has lied to you. Somebody has lied to you. It's about so much more than that. So much more than that. We glory in tribulations. It doesn't say we enjoy tribulations. We don't enjoy them, or they wouldn't be tribulations. That's kind of, if you were enjoying it, it's hard to call it a tribulation. We do not enjoy them, but we glory in them because of what they build in us. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. We glory in tribulations because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. We know it. It says we know. It doesn't say we think. It doesn't say we hope. It doesn't say maybe. It says we know that tribulation produces perseverance. How do we know? Well, we know the same way we know that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Same way that we know that the acceleration of gravity is 9.8 meters per second squared because it's a law. Why is it a law? Because God said it. Because he told us that that's what it does. And whatever he says in here, in my experience, you can take it to the bank more than the laws of physics. You know we glory in tribulations because we know they produce perseverance. It's true. It's a promise of God. So for a saved Christ follower, tribulation is what produces perseverance. That's you're saved and you're following Christ. Because those things aren't always the same. I know in my life they haven't always been the same. But for the one who is saved and following Christ, tribulation produces perseverance. Now the Greek word for perseverance is hupomone. Hupomone. Okay? You're going to need to know that. I'm going to say it a bunch. According to the outline of biblical usage, this is what it means. I love this. In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. That's what hupomene means. Hupomene means I am not swerved. No one's moved me. There's Jesus. Here's me. I'm going right there. Nothing's getting in my way. It's deliberate. It's on purpose. I'm loyal. I have faith. I have piety. And the greatest trials and sufferings aren't going to move me. That's what hupomene means. The word here, perseverance, hardly captures that. English doesn't always do the job that Greek sometimes does. Perseverance, hupomene. Your grit, your integrity, your strength in God not to be moved. You know what we need in the body of Christ? We need men with some hupomene. We need men with some hupomene some perseverance, some grit, not swerve, deliberate in purpose, loyalty, faith, piety, even through the greatest trials and sufferings. We also need women of Hupomene, for sure. But I, you know what? I want to talk to our men for a minute. All right? Where are you at, man? Let's assess ourselves. Romans 12, 1 through 3, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What else would you do for the one who died for you? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
Men, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have some hupomene. Be transformed. And don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think soberly. All issues that I think most of us struggle with. And like I say, I'm talking to the men here. Women, you're perfect. (laughs) Some of my best comedy yet. You got your own stuff, okay? But I, I just want to talk to the men here because there's a reason for that. Men, if you lay down your life and trust God and do the hard stuff, if you're not moved or shaken, let me tell you who doesn't move you or shake you. Just so you know, men. Your boss should not move you or shake you. You should not be able to swer- be swerved from, from looking at Christ by your boss or your work or your career. Your wife should not move you or shake you. If you know where Jesus is and you're in that line and you know it's what God has called, I don't care what she says or how much she cries. Now, of course, most of your wives are the ones who are there and you guys are like over here. So that's my, kind of my point, okay? Not all of you. I'll just name the names I wrote down. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Your girlfriend, your own body and your desires, nothing should move you or get you to swerve. You should be a man who has laid down your life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Gird up your loins and have some hupomene. some perseverance through trials. If God has called you to loyalty and piety to him, no one should sway you. And he has. And yet we get swayed, guys. We get swayed. We need to be dependable and strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In order to do that, you got to ask yourself, where's your trust? Where is it? Psalm 62, 5 through 8. My soul Wait silently for God alone. For my expectation, my hope, is from him. He only, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved or shaken or swerved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. If you can live there, if the one you trust is God, it's not hard to have some hupamane because it's him. If you think you can do it yourself, you're strong. Fuerte, as we say in Honduras. Oh, muy fuerte. No. God is strong. God is strong. You can only be strong in him. And you can trust him. Our hope is in God. He is our rock, our salvation, our defense, the rock of our strength, our refuge, our glory. That's who God is. Listen to this. I'm just going to read some scripture. We're just going to do this. Hang on. Let me pull it up here. I love this scripture. I want to get excited about it. I want you to get excited about it. Let's act like we are excited this morning. You ready? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What are you worried about? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that which we glory in, right? Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. What are you afraid of? That's the word of God. What are you swerving around for? I don't care about yesterday. I don't care which way you swerved and what thing you smacked into. I don't care about yesterday. Neither should you. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all righteousness. You know what I care about? Today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. Philippians 3, 13 through 16. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Not I forgot. I'm forgetting. Every time it tries to come back, I'm forgetting. Let the past go, brothers and sisters. It's the past. You want to keep remembering it? What are you saying about the cross? What are you saying about the cross? If you keep wanting to remember it. And he says, I paid for it. And you accepted that. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward. As Dr. David likes to say, we're being pulled by our future, not pushed by our past. We're being pulled. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Keeping Jesus in your sight. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, because of that, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. I like that. If you think I'm wrong, God will show you. I'm right. Because this is a scripture. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You know what we need? Not just for me or David, right? Jacob, to have some hupomene. I need all of you to. We got to be of the same mind if we're going to walk forward as the body of Christ. All of this fits together as all of you fit together. If we're going to be Christ's body at the end of the age, we're going to have to have some hupomene. And it starts with the men. It's not that I don't think the women need to have it. In fact, many of our women have it in spades. But you know what? We got to start with the men. We got to start with the men. They got to have hupomene, perseverance, patient endurance. No easy roads, no lazy winds. All for God, all for his glory, all fitting with the scriptures all the time, always with joy, always with grace, always with hupomene. That's the life. Jesus tells the parable of the sower in Luke 8. You may remember it. Seed is scattered. Some of it lands on the wayside. It's trampled up. 
The birds eat it. Some falls amongst thorns. It comes up. But the thorns, they come up with it. They choke it out. Right? Some of it goes into the rocky spot. Boom! It pops up quick. Belief is there. It's no water. Withers. And then some, some is on good ground, which sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. You know what Jesus says about those who produce fruitfulness a hundredfold? And I want you to think about this. Because you're, if you're a believer, you're in one of those three camps. You sprang up, but you haven't nurtured it. It's withering. You sprang up, you got the cares of the world choking out your fruitfulness. This is about heavenly rewards. This is about when Jesus says to you, what have you done with what I gave you? And you're sitting there and there's either a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble burning up. Or there's gold, silver, precious stones, right? Your eternal rewards. Well done, good and faithful servant. This is about fruitfulness. What does he say about the ones who are fruitful? But the ones, this is Luke 8, 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with hupomene. That's the word. That's the word. Hupomene. Your eyes are on Jesus and nothing is moving you. So I'm on Jesus. But you know what today? Today, it's been a rough day. It's been a rough day. Let's head over to the weed shop and just get smashed. It's been a rough day, guys. God will understand. Yes, he understands that you're sinful and won't keep your eyes on him without swerving. Sometimes for me, it's food. You know, what's it going to hurt? It's just seven milkshakes. <laughs> I think I might be lactose intolerant. By the seventh one, things are rough for me. No, I'm kidding. It's a Jim Gaffigan joke. Anyway, listen. Those with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience, with hupomene. We're translating the word patience there. Sometimes it's translated in endurance. None of it, in English, in my opinion, captures hupomene which is this idea of this man, this woman, focused, dedicated, solid, unmovable. Now, that's not something you can do without keeping your eyes on Jesus. You can't do it yourself. If you're going to be fruitful, though, you have to endure. You have to glory in tribulations. Why? Because that's how you get fruitful, because that's what produces endurance, hupomene, patient endurance. This is for everyone who wants to be mature, men, women, and children. But let me tell you why it starts with the men. Because the men are the first called to servant leadership. You are called to serve your families. You're called to serve your coworkers, even the ones you don't like, your neighbors, even your enemies. We are called to service. Others can follow that example, but you're the one called to lay down your life first. You're the one to show who Palmina, you've got, you've got a spouse, you've got children. If your eyes aren't on Jesus and you aren't walking that direction, you know how much harder it is for your wife to overcome your will to get the family on that track? What are you doing? You first. Young men. Got some young men here. Got some young men out there. If you don't start having some hupomene, if you don't start showing some patient endurance and not be pulled aside every time, that your comfort is slightly threatened. If you don't start thinking about yourself not more highly than you ought, you aren't going to be the leaders that you need to be.
old men, like me, and older. If you don't do this now, I don't care about yesterday, remember, I care about today and tomorrow. If you don't do this now, I'm sorry, but you're gonna drag Christ's body down like a weight. I'm gonna be the one to tell you. If you can't get your eyes on Jesus and stand with me, with the other men of this church, and move in that direction, you're gonna drag the church down like a weight. What are you doing? If God is for us, who can be against us? What are we trying to do here? We, wanna, we want the Lord to come, boom, rapture comes, boom, we're with the Lord. And he's like, what were you doing? And you're like, eh, whatever was comfortable. It's like, oh, you, you knew about the whole like people going to hell thing though, right? Like you knew that was gonna happen, right? And you're like, well, I mean, yeah, but I figured I had time. Oh, okay, cool. Nope, not cool. Wood, hay, stubble, fire, it's kind of gonna be rough. You gotta have hupomene. This is for our men, this is for our women, this is for our children. You gotta let them see you glory in tribulations that produce patient endurance. Hupomene. Let them see your patient endurance. Let them see your spiritual muscles. I know some of you guys, you know, you're almost as good looking as me as far as body style. That's great. Fantastic. There's some value to that. You know what's really valuable? Spiritual muscles. You know what's really useful eternally? Spiritual muscles. You know how you build spiritual muscles? By glory and tribulations. That's how it works. That's how it works. But I don't like tribulations. I don't either. But I glory in them. Because I've watched God build in me. There are things I've had to deal with. I'm just going to, let's just have a little real talk. There are things I've had to deal with that I can tell you the only way I could deal with them is because of this pattern that he started by giving me small tribulations, producing small endurance, right? And then bigger ones, and then bigger ones, and then bigger ones. And the more endurance, the more I've been able to handle. And I wish I could tell you, and then it gets easy. No, you build the muscle so you can lift the weight. But you know what? You lift the weight in his power, not your own. That's the whole thing you're learning is to trust him. It's not that I've gotten stronger and stronger. It's that I, in my weakness, he's stronger and stronger in my life. That's what it is. And if you don't do that, and for one second, the bigger the tribulation gets, if for one second your eyes get off Jesus, man, will you sink so fast? But you won't sink if your eyes are on him. If you won't be moved. If you have some hupomene. We've become too weak. Here at the end of the age, we're going soft. We're going lukewarm. Let me just tell you something, not here. Not here, not at Acts Church, not so long as I am trusting God as the elders and the deacons and the leaders of this church are trusting God in the power of his Holy Spirit so we can serve you, not here. I will kick your butt into Hupamane. He said, but, get over it. Get over it, it's the end of the age. People are going to hell. Stop throwing your hands up and get your eyes on Jesus and let's go. Let's go. We're not weak. We're not soft. We have Jesus Christ. We're not lukewarm. Be men, be women of passion, of humility, of meekness, right? Power under control. Power of God under control, of patient endurance, of hupomene. We don't want to be like the church that 
this country and frankly the world is representing or looking like right now. The Laodiceans, who God calls to account in Revelation 3. This is what he says. This is starting in verse 14, Revelation 3. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither hot, cold, nor hot. That's one of those ones that is a mistake in the Bible because some of them say hot nor cold and some of them say cold nor hot. Ooh, because that means a lot. Anyway, neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Lukewarmness is ugly. It's ugly. It's weak. It's repulsive. Be hot. Don't be cold. Be hot. Don't you wish a Christian was hot like me? Be hot. Some people are like, what is it? Anyway, be passionate. Why are the Laodiceans lukewarm? We, we were told here in the next verse, verse 317. Because you say, I am rich. I've become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Who were they? They were rich. Who were you? You're rich. No, I'm not. You're rich. Who went to Honduras? Are they rich? Yeah, you're rich. Stupid rich. You don't even understand. Like you have a car that like works some of the time. You're rich. You got more that you got clothes at home that not the ones you're wearing. You're rich. You're rich. Whatever you may think, you may think there's people who are wealthier, but you're rich. You know what's easy when you're rich? It's to say, I have need of nothing. I'm rich. I become wealthy. I have need of nothing. So like we come to church and we're like, yeah, it makes me feel good to come to church or whatever. But at the end of the day, I've got the bank account or I've got the job or I've got the car. I've got the relationship I want. I've got the thing. So at the end of the day, I need God and I trust God when I need God and need to trust God. Other than that, I kind of got it on my own. The Laodiceans, what does Jesus say? You don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And why are they? Because they're not trusting him. It's not because they have to be wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's because they keep thinking they're rich that they're that way. Because he goes on to say, come to me. I'll give it to you. I'll give you the good stuff. But you've got to come to me. And what do we do? Drink our coffee. We've got the Bible verse. Makes us feel good. Sun shining, whatever. Something bad happens. Son of a... Right? What am I going to do? Oh, the news. What are you doing? Hupamane. Have it. These people were deceived. And so are we sometimes. We think we don't really need the Lord. Think of the most entitled person you know. Okay? They think they deserve it all, right? They've done nothing. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. There are some people out there. They're like, I deserve this. I'm so mad that I don't have this. I'm such a victim. They're deceived. They're deceived. Pray for them. Don't, don't think, oh, that person. Just pray for them. But here's the deal. This is just what we're like when we live like we don't need God. You can say you need God. You can say the right things. But what are you doing with your life? 
If I pull out your credit card statement, your bank account, and I look down the list of things, do I see that you're showing your devotion to God, that Jesus is right there? Or do I see you looking over here and over here and over there? What does it look like? When I look at your sex life, what does it look like? When I look at the way that you're living and treating people, when I look at what it looks like at work, what does it look like? You showing who Pomene? You got your loins girded up? You going here? Who have you talked to about Jesus this week? Assess yourself. Because we need men and women of God. At the end of the age, we can't be the ones falling asleep thinking we don't need God being poor, wretched, miserable, blind, naked. We can't be those people. You do not want to see me naked. It's bad. Okay? Can't be like that. My poor wife. All right. Every time we cry about tribulation, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. We complain. We show we have no backbone, no patient endurance, no hupomene. We're lukewarm in those moments. We give up our eternal hope for the weak, lukewarm chasing of personal comfort and pleasure. Boy, we don't like to be uncomfortable. Mm. I can't believe there's nothing new on Netflix. My life is over. I've run out of TikToks. There's nothing good anymore on TikTok. You know how good this is right here? TikTok this bad boy. Okay? This is good. Yeah. Not, not that I know if there's anything wrong with TikTok or not. I know nothing about it because I'm old. But we are put out of sorts over things ridiculous. That's lukewarm. That's lukewarm. That's weak. That's weak. It's weak sauce, as we used to say back in the 90s. We're just comfortable enough to not realize how much we need God and need each other. You need God and you need each other. The early church, the first century church, the idea of like, I'm a Christian, but I only go to church sometimes. Or I don't ever go to church. I just me and God. That's not a thing. That was not a thing. Why? They had to be together. They had to be together. They understood themselves as separate from the world. Then we kind of get in this like, oh, well, we're a Christian, you know, kind of Western European uh, American, like we're a Christian kind of world. And so we can kind of be in the world, whatever. That's just, there's nothing Christian about that. Christianity is separate. You need each other. You need each other. Where do you think you're finding the Lord in your life? Through the hands and feet of Christ. Where's that? The body of Christ. Where's the body of Christ? It's right here, baby. This is where it is. Get here. Be here. I don't feel strong. Well, are you pressing in? Are you reaching forward? We can be grateful for the small comforts we have and get to the work we have to do, looking to the author and the finish of our faith. Or we can value the small comforts we have so much that God has to take them away so that you'll look at him. Which one is it going to be? Because I like the small comforts. Don't get me wrong. I like to be comfortable. But that's just something I can be grateful for on the side. That's not what's driving my life. If it starts driving my life, I can tell you from experience, God will just take it away. Because he will have no other as that which you look to. Romans 5, 4, as we read earlier. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Perseverance, hupomene. What does it produce? Character. Proven character. Do you know a man or a woman with character? 
one who has proven through tribulation to have perseverance, to have real hupomene. They aren't moved around all over the place. You know somebody like that? That's what you want to be. Because when you have matured to have character, that leads to hope. That leads to hope. That gets you to keep your eyes on Jesus because what you're hoping for is him. That's what keeps you from sinking in the water like Peter did. Uh-oh, looking at the water, looking at Jesus, good. Where are you? Where are you? You got to ask yourself, where are you? Romans 5.5, 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Everything broken by the world disappoints. That includes me. I will disappoint you. I probably have done so today. You know, some of those notes, whoo. I will disappoint you. You will disappoint you. He will disappoint you. Everyone gets a car. Everyone's going to disappoint you, okay? Everything is going to disappoint you. You know what does not disappoint? God. Hope in him. It does not disappoint. God does not disappoint. Jesus Christ does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Are we going to sow to that? Think about the Holy Spirit in us? Live in that? Or are we going to quench the Holy Spirit and live to ourselves with no love, no joy, no hope, and wonder why we're miserable? And wonder why we just don't have any hupomene. We just don't have any endurance. We just can't seem to really make it. I don't really feel it. No. Come on. Come on. Hope gives you more strength in Christ. You know why? So you can have more tribulations to glory in. It's a circle. That's what you need to understand about this. It's a circle. Okay? We glory in tribulations because they lead to produce perseverance perseverance then. You guys can start passing that out. We're going to start passing out communion now. Take it, but don't stop listening to me. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. What does hope do? Makes you even stronger so that you can then have more tribulation, produce more perseverance, produce more character, produce more hope. That's what it's about. Requires that you trust God. Requires that you repent and be transformed, presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service, the reasonable thing for you to do when Christ has done so much to you because God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And he raised him up on the third day, defeating sin and death and hell. And here's the thing, if you don't know Jesus today, don't look at all them, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus today, Listen to this, Romans 10, 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Listen, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know Jesus today, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we're done with all this, we're going to take communion. We're going to sing as we're doing that. If you go straight out those doors, there are people who will pray with you that you might call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of Kings. Be, believe, be believing. Believe. Be baptized. Learn to obey all that Jesus commanded. Start looking at him. Start glorying in tribulation. Start building up that hupomene unmoved. Be God's child. Live with it. I love this hupomene thing. I love it because every time I think about 
sin or even just lack of focus or even bad priority, I can reassert that path. It's Jesus. No one's moving from it. Women, don't be moved by anyone. Not by your husband, not by your job, not by what the world tells you you're supposed to be. Men, don't be moved by anyone. Not your job, not your boss, not who the world tells you you're supposed to be, not your own pleasure-seeking, not your own comfort-seeking. Don't be moved by anyone. Children, start young. Don't be moved. That's what it's like to persevere and have a pulmonate, at least a character, at least a hope that helps you to glory in tribulation, which leads to perseverance, which is a character, which leads to hope. Our hope in our salvation. Let's pray.